This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, first of all, I want to say a Merry Christmas to you and yours, and we just thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Yes, Merry Christmas. Hey, it's it's Christmas Eve. Uh, Santa's on his way. <laughs> I can feel it. Very excited. To... I'm excited about you making me an eggnog latte. Oh, yes. Eggnog latte. <laughs> it's a divisive issue, much like American politics, but uh, love it or hate it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, there's it few is, it is sitters when it comes to eggnog and latte. Eggnog yeah, and lattes, yeah, but. yeah. And it's uh, I think it's one of the most quintessential parts of Christmas. <laughs> Truly, uh, the spirit of Christmas. Yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> well, hey, if you're new around here, welcome. Uh, we do this every Tuesday morning, and this Tuesday happens to be Christmas Eve. Yeah. My name is Sam Camp. I'm your host, and I'm joined. By Richard Blackaby. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. So so festive. Gotta be seasonal there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so today, uh, as you can imagine, we're talking a little bit about Christmas. And so, uh, Richard, I thought, uh, you, you know, you always have uh, or usually have an interesting take <laughs> on, on things. And so I thought we would just discuss uh, a few things uh, relating to Christmas and uh, what your thoughts are on those. Sure. Uh, yeah, I thought maybe this today, since uh, we are right on Christmas Eve, that uh, I just give a few thoughts uh, reflecting on them. And of course, this is a leadership uh, podcast, so always want to take a leadership perspective as as much as I can, even on yeah. things like holidays. But um, so, just a couple of thoughts I have as I reflect. And by the way, I I think as a leader, it's always good to take a little time to reflect on whatever is going on at the time. So yeah. we've been going through a lot of political turmoil in the, the country. I, I don't I don't think you should obsess on that, but uh, I do think you should reflect on what's, what it signifies about what God is doing, what people are doing, uh, yeah. whether it's a holiday, whatever holiday it might be, uh, Labor Day, Easter, Christmas, whatever it might be. I think it's always good to pull back maybe in your quiet time that day, but take a moment just to think, so what is the significance for me, for God's people, for the nation, for this holiday? And so, uh, and so I want to do a little bit of that just this morning and, uh, and say, when I think about Christmas, um, one of the first thoughts that always comes to me is that of joy. Mm. It's interesting that when the angels came uh, to the shepherds to announce that Jesus had been born in uh, Luke chapter two, verse 10, it says, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, which is always interesting because every time an angel speaks to people, they tend to have to start by saying, don't be afraid. Yeah. That seems to be <laughs> get the, up uh, off the floor. The angelic <laughs> salutation is so don't be afraid. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, in part, I'm sure it's because, uh, the, the angel is, is overwhelming and they're blown away by what they're seeing. They're yeah. caught by surprise. That's the primary part of it, I'm sure. But, but also I think it's just good in our day, um, to be reminded of that phrase. Don't be mm. afraid. Um, with so much going on politically these days in America, so much going on always with terrorists and some threat, some fearful thing that's always just lurking, yeah. Uh, that might strike at any moment. Uh, there are a lot of people that do live in fear today. A lot of people that are driven to make decisions by fear. 
And I think it's just a great word for us at Christmas that God would say, don't be afraid. Mm. But, uh, but then it goes on and says, for behold, I bring you good tidings. And of course that word good tidings is really essentially where we get the word gospel from. That's what gospel, the, the, the word gospel means good news, good yeah. tidings, uh, of great joy, which will be to all people. And I, I think that that, to me, is the heart of the Christian of the of the Christmas message. Mm. The Christmas message is a message of great joy to all people, not just some people, uh, not just those who have jobs they like right now, uh, or to those who are in good health, or to those whose church is doing great, or their business is doing a lot of uh, making a lot of profits. Uh, Christmas is is good news. It's great joy to all people, and uh, and so when I think about um, the difference between Christianity and other religions, uh, there's a lot of other re- world religions, uh, but they're not typically characterized by joy. They're mm. characterized by a fearsome God, a, an unknowing God, a God who's distant, a God who is a judge and a wrathful person, a God who's so. In uh, mixed in nature and in every bush and tree that y- he's sort of everywhere, but you don't think of that kind of God as a, a God of joy, a God that brings you joyfulness, just just a God who's a, who's mysterious. Yeah. But the when when Jesus comes, the first thing that the angels basically say is, "This is good news that will bring every joy to every person who receives the message, who receives the gospel." And I think that really sets um, Christianity apart from other religions. And of course, the the irony and the, the 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 tragedy of that is that Christmas is primarily a message of joy, but oftentimes the holidays are very very painful times, and particularly Christmas. Uh, if you become estranged from loved ones or family, uh, then Christmas can be a really lonely time. While other families are gathering together, you may be alone. Uh, or you may have gone to a family gathering and someone made a rude comment about uh, the turkey you cooked that day or the gift that you gave. And so many hurt feelings take place on Christmas. Um, you yeah. know, I had made a, uh, a classic faux pas one time. My wife gave me a gift and I, I wasn't trying to be rude. It, I just was puzzled why she would have given me that gift. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I remember just, she, I opened it up and I, and Lisa is watching me. I just said, what made you give me this gift? <laughs> and which was a which terrible thing to say. Never the thing to never say. Never to say, which I learned and I have never said since, but it has gone down <laughs> into black and be lore as here she had thought she was being very creative and giving me something I wouldn't expect, which was true. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I there there are just so many opportunities actually to have hurt feelings at Christmas, yeah. which is sad because it's supposed to be a time of great joy, and yet oftentimes we miss that. And well, and it seems to be really stressful as well. Yeah. Like you've got Christmas pageants and uh, Christmas parties and family obligations and all these other things that that sort of you know I think we can romanticize the yeah. time of year and it ends up just being your one yeah. stressed mess from one thing to and the next. And especially if you didn't shop ahead of time and now you're yeah. running to the mall or something <laughs> and then there's no joy in no, standing there's... in a mile long customer service line or something, but are fighting for the last uh, 
toy that's on the <laughs> yeah, shelf. But exactly. Uh, and so I, I would just say, Christmas. If you're doing Christmas right, if if you get Christmas, you're going to be experiencing joy. If mm. you're if you're not experiencing joy, I can promise you, uh, you're you somehow taken a wrong turn at Christmas and. You're, you're missing what God intended. It, it is meant to be a time of joy. And so I would go, I would approach Christmas with that in mind and say, uh, and if you're, if you're in a confusing moment, you're, you're trying to think, should I say what made you get me this or, yeah. or, uh, that this Turkey is a little dry or yeah, stop and just ask yourself if, as and what I'm about to say, is that going to bring joy or not? Uh, because that's what Christmas is meant to do. And yeah. so as you're thinking about what to do, what to say, uh, how, and, and how to approach it and how to view it, just ask yourself, will this bring joy to myself, to others? Because that is the heart of Christmas. Mm, that's good. Uh, so what uh, what what other things would, you know, there's a lot of different... Yeah, that's... Uh, well, kind of a sort of playing off on that one, Sam, is that God has a way of bringing joy out of ordinary moments. I mean, mm-hmm. it's about joy, but the interesting thing about Christmas is, it, in one sense, I mean, it, it, I mean, truly, it's perhaps the greatest miracle, at least up until that point, that had ever been done. God yeah. himself takes on flesh. Uh, God, who is spirit, who dwells in heaven, uh, the, the creator actually takes on the flesh of a, of a, of a creature, of, a, of creation, and becomes limited to being a man. Now, a lot of women would say, yeah, that's what a limitation, becoming a man. But, <laughs> but uh, that in, in itself is a miracle. But, but, but the story of Christmas itself is about ordinary things. And perhaps there's nothing more ordinary than a bunch of shepherds t- working the night shift. Yeah. Uh, if I've worked the night shift before, I know what that's like. Uh, and quite honestly, you're not expecting anything spectacularly good to be happening on the night shift. Yeah. You're just trying to stay awake. Uh, you're just hoping that uh, there's no, uh, problems that crop up. So there you are keeping an eye on the sheep as they're sleeping, scattered out there, perhaps in the sheepfold. Um, you're with perhaps a couple other shepherds. Uh, you may be grumbling over the fact that you got the night shift tonight while your colleagues are sleeping somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, the, the sky is filled and the angels are speaking and singing and celebrating and tremendous good news in the midst of the ordinary. And of course, so many times in the gospels, that's what you see. It's your Peter and Andrew are, are mending nets and suddenly there's the son of God standing by their boat. Uh, Moses is herding sheep and suddenly there's a burning bush and his life's never the same again. And, and that's kind of the story of Christmas is that it's, 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 it happens with ordinary people in ordinary moments. And, and I, you know, I find that that's oftentimes what happens with Christmas is it's not necessarily the, as your opening presents in the spectacular moment of Christmas morning or Christmas evening, depending when you open presents, but oftentimes you're off work maybe for a few days. I want to just back up there. Do people open Christmas uh, presents on Christmas Eve? Well, I've heard that. Is that I, a thing? I'm scandalous. I, that, I, I'd wow. be ashamed to admit it, but yeah. Our, okay. Our, just, we're, we're a Christmas morning I opening. I mean, in any household yeah. with children in it, I would imagine. 
Yeah. It's like. And then how would you put them to bed after that if you open in the evening? Uh, the evening. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. We, it's it's yeah. a it's a, it's a sidetrack, but it's people. Uh, you know, unfortunately, people have not all had the same fortunate upbringings that we've had. That's, but that's right. Uh, <laughs> but I but I would just say uh, sometimes for me, Christmas is about the ordinary moments that God makes special. So it could be that you just have over the course of the holidays, a really special conversation with one of your kids or maybe with a parent or a family member or friend. You're sitting there with the fire going, or maybe you're just sitting there looking at the lights on the Christmas tree. Maybe it's playing a game uh, one evening with your family and you're hearing laughter uh, echoing through the house and you realize everybody's home for Christmas. It's the first time in months that all the family's been together. You're off work for several days. You kind of put the laptop and the cell phone away, and you just, uh, nothing necessarily spectacular. Just uh, so many times, if you're, if you're watching, you'll discover that God can bring joy in ordinary moments. Just sharing yeah. a meal together. Uh, in the evening, watching a movie as a family and knowing you don't have to get up and go to work the next day. It's uh, You can stay up late with family and sit there and just look at, the, I remember as a child, uh, sitting in the a chair in the living room and, and with the lights off and just watching the lights on the Christmas tree and the magic of that. And yeah. when you slow down sometimes, like at Christmas, um, you, you see the magic that perhaps has always been there, the special moments with family that's always been a possibility. You just were too busy before. And so yeah. that's kind of a, for me, how God, why would God... The, the first sort of news um, mentioned is at night with a bunch of working men. And I think that's partly the heart of God, that uh, he loves to bless ordinary people with amazing yeah. news. And so don't, don't miss the wonder of Christmas in the ordinary moments. Uh, don't expect that it, you got to wait till your opening presents before things get special. There's a lot of surprising special moments uh, and it's something else that about Christmas story I think that is interesting. A third thing is that um, it brings a different perspective to or- those ordinary moments. Uh, if you think about it, uh, when Mary finds out she's going to have a baby, she's basically that means she's going to be an unwed mother. Yeah, uh, being an unwed mother is a thing of shame, certainly in that culture, um, and. All the Jewish girls at that time would have dreamed of being the mother of the Messiah, mm-hmm. but they would have all assumed that they would it would be a normal birth. <laughs> they all yeah. assumed that they'd be married and they would just happen to give birth to someone who would become the Messiah. Yeah, I don't think it was really expected by most people that it would be a virgin birth, that it would uh, be a birth of a woman not yet married. Um, and so what seemed like a shameful thing God transformed into something glorious. And of course, mm. Mary has been revered ever since as a special person that uh, had did something unique that only one person has ever or ever will do. Uh, you know, something else, what, what starts the whole ball rolling afterward and going to Bethlehem is taxes. <laughs> Joseph is paying his taxes, so he has to yeah. go to Bethlehem and register. Uh, can anything good come from paying taxes? Uh, you would think not. <laughs> and then, then Joseph goes uh, to an inn. He's trying to find a place for his uh, expectant wife, and there's no room. There's no vacancy. Again, that, that would be a fr- I've had that experience before, oh, driving yeah. all day with family and thinking, hey, let's just pull in there. 
it's, uh, I think we've gone far enough. We ha- don't have a reservation. Let's check and see. And then there's no room. And uh, it's very frustrating. And when they tell you, sorry, we're full, you're not expecting, oh, good, I, something special is bound to happen. <laughs> uh, you know, these are all frustrating uh, it, It'll moments. be something you remember, but probably <laughs> not in a good way. Yeah, and, and yet uh, God has a way of taking even d- what seems like a disappointment, uh, maybe even a shameful thing, a, a failure, uh, a frustration, and that's part of the miracle of Christmas is that throughout that whole story, he's transforming what would be frustrating into something that, is miraculous and special and meaningful. And you look back later and realize mm-hmm. God was in control, even while I was having to pay taxes, while, <laughs> while I was having to travel with an, an expectant wife on a donkey, uh, a great distance, what would seem like another problem to solve. Be careful that you don't miss the wonder that God can infuse in even the most ordinary moments. And a, a fourth mm. thing maybe just to say is, and there's a, it, this has become a cliche. You find it on lots of greeting cards and mugs and other things, but uh, the, the phrase wise men still seek him. Mm. And of course, the original wise men travel from afar, from the east, uh, and w- looking at the star and so on. But, but I think that uh, it is true that uh, if you truly are wise, you are going to be seeking Jesus. And um, you may be a Christian, you may be a believer, but there's so much more to know of Jesus than just the the basics uh, to believe the gospel. I think that seeking Jesus is something we do all of our life. We're we're continually pursuing him to know him better. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'd recommend a couple of books, actually, one by two that are are well-known and I think well-done. Philip Yancey several years ago wrote the book, The Jesus I Never Knew. And uh, it's an interesting look at uh, Jesus uh, and the way he's portrayed the Gospels. Another good book is by John Ortberg, Who Is This Man? And it looks kind of at the influence that Jesus has had over cultures and over history. But, you know, I know a lot of uh, atheists that claim there is no uh, God, uh, and I, I know other people that perhaps step away from the church and they'll say things like, well, I'm, I'm just uh, searching or I've, I'm mm. just, you know, I'm, I'm processing or thinking about what I think about God. Oftentimes, however, they're really not. Y- you and I both know people that yeah. are saying that, well, I'm just searching. Yeah. And then you ask them, oh, searching. Well, what books are you reading as you're doing your research on God? You know, what conferences have you gone to? What apologetic uh, uh, debates have you been listening to that has helped you as you're searching? Most of the time, they're not really doing that. Some are, but uh, oftentimes what I have found with a lot of atheists is it's not necessarily a genuine search to find truth or if there is a God to find him. Oftentimes it is that it's inconvenient for there to be a God. Yeah. The, if there is a God, then they have to, he has, he'll be the Lord. He'll, he'll be the, their boss. And for many unbelievers, it's really more an issue is I can't afford for there to really be a God because then I can't live my life my way. Yeah. I've got to live it to a higher standard. I'm accountable to somebody for what I do. So I just don't want to even believe in him. If I, if I just don't believe in him, then I can live how I want. But truly wise people are those who say, if there is a God, that's the most important question, the most important reality in my life. I, yeah. I've, I've got to settle that. 
<clears throat> and even if I believe he exists, uh, I need to know this God. And so I would just encourage uh, our listeners uh, in the coming year, at least find maybe one of the books I mentioned or another book. Uh, take, take at least some time throughout this next year to, to know him better, to seek him, to, to mm-hmm. seek to know some things about God, to experience him in ways perhaps you haven't before. Um, perhaps just take, uh, make a commitment at some time in the upcoming year to read through one of the Gospels or all of the Gospels. Just get yourself near Jesus and mm-hmm. say, Jesus, before this next year is over with, I'd like to know you in some way like I've never known you before. Hmm. Well, let's take a a short break here, and uh, we're looking at some of the things that surround the Christmas holiday uh, in maybe a slightly different light. So we'll be right back. If you've ever wanted to do the Experiencing God Bible study, this is your chance. Registration is now open for the Experiencing God online class. In addition to all the material from the original study, class participants will gain access to archived footage of Henry Blackaby, group discussions with students from around the world, a live stream Q&A with the Blackabees, and more. Class begins January 13th. Register using the link in the show notes or visit blackaby.org slash online classes. If you like what we're doing and would like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Even a little bit will go a long way toward keeping this podcast going for the months and years to come. To support this podcast, click on the link in the show notes. We are truly grateful for our wonderful community of listeners. We wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. Richard, I love just uh, thinking about things that 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 everyone experiences uh the ordinary things that happen uh, every year, such as Christmas, yeah, uh, perhaps that's not ordinary, but it's it it, it can sometimes seem that way. Yeah, it's 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 a a well worn story. Yeah, uh, everyone's heard it, um, especially in the church. You've you've heard the Christmas story, but I love uh, uh, getting around and and thinking about these aspects of Christmas and the Christmas story yeah. that uh, from a slightly different angle, and and you've been. Uh, walking us through some of those things before the break, and uh, I suspect you have, I have a at least more. a couple more. Wait, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's not all. <laughs> the fifth thing I'd say is that Christmas gives us an insider's glimpse into heaven. Uh, these shepherds are just doing normal work. Uh, yeah. Joseph is just trying to find a hotel room and settle down for the night. People are going through all kinds of mundane experiences. And then all of a sudden, the, the angels who come to the uh, shepherds in Luke 2, uh, they, they're all excited. They're exuberant. These angels, it's like they're so full of joy, they've got to tell somebody, hey, there's some shepherds over there. Let's go yeah. and tell them that this is a time of great joy. And they're singing, they're celebrating. And I think it's interesting, these shepherds are just trying to stay awake. These shepherds may be grumbling about the fact that they got the night shift. And then all of a sudden they're hearing from heaven and heaven is celebrating. And what that tells me is that on earth, people are often clueless about what heaven is excited about. Uh, yeah. And I think if heaven's excited about something, we need to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. And what that says to me is if I knew more about what was going on in heaven, I would be more excited than I am. I'd yeah. be more joyful than I am. And that's partly why we pray. Because when we pray, 
we're saying, God, what is going on in heaven? If you're celebrating right now, I shouldn't be glum. Yeah. If you are uh, working out your purposes right now on earth, I need to be focused on that. And what, and, and so throughout scripture, what you find is people go around their, their normal life and then all of a sudden heaven will intervene and say, Hey, you probably need to know what we know up here in heaven. Like uh, Noah, there's going to be a big flood coming. Yeah. And so whatever else you were planning to do now that you have a glimpse in what's going on in heaven, that might affect how you live your life on earth. Right. And, uh, I, I just feel like for a lot of us, if we were more heavenly oriented, it would dramatically affect the way we live our life on earth. Hmm. Uh, but if we're so consumed with what is happening on earth, we're watching the news all the time about what people are doing, then of course we're going to get really discouraged. And sometimes we just need an angelic messenger to say, well, all this stuff that you're seeing on earth is true, but let me tell you what heaven is excited about right now. Mm-hmm. In heaven, there's a, they're all a buzz up there because this is what God is working out right now in your nation. And I know the newscast has not had one story on that issue because they're unaware of it. They're disoriented to God. But uh, let me tell you what heaven is uh, a buzz about. And believe me, it's not about what's on 24-hour cable news yeah. right now. So, well, you know, I just think that Christmas can be <laughs> such a um, such a time that's that's not our normal routine. Yeah, uh, I, I think it can can easily become so much extra stuff that it, it it you know, like we said at the beginning, it can it can kind of stress us out. Yeah, but I think the the incredible thing about Christmas is it's that opportunity where sort of everyone is reflecting and 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 interjecting their normal routine uh, with this with this uh, holiday with family, yeah. with things they wouldn't normally do. And so I think whether it's the angels talking to the shepherds or it's this the star shining that attracts wise men, there's there are clues that heaven knows things we don't. Yeah. And we, and our life's pursuit ought to be to know what heaven knows, at mm. least what heaven will reveal this side of heaven. Uh, and so that's part of the message, I think, of Christmas is have, heaven decided to kind of let some people in on what the, it they knew. Right. And they thought people would be blown away by knowing <laughs> yeah, as peel, well. Peel back the curtain a little bit. And yeah, that's kind of what a... Christmas is in part. And a, a sixth thing is it, it, I, I, it makes me think about timing because when we read the Christmas story, you know, we get to the Gospels and they begin pretty, uh, uh, Matthew and Luke begin pretty early with the, the, the Gospel, the uh, Christmas story. Mm-hmm. But what we don't realize and we, we can forget is that between the end of the book of Malachi in the Old Testament and the beginning of the Gospels, there's a period of about 400 years. Yeah. For 400 years, there hasn't been anything written in the Bible. There's no Bible stories for about 400 years. So that, you know, it's not as if you just turn the page from Malachi to Matthew and it's, the story just continues. The next day this happened, four centuries have passed. Mm. And I think that helps uh, put things in context. No wonder the angels are so excited. Four centuries have passed yeah. since God last spoke in a biblical way, at least. Uh, and so that's big news. And Galatians 4, chapter, uh, uh, verse 4, says... Uh, in the fullness of time, yeah, God acted. He 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 sent His Son, and 
what that tells me is that God's timing is perfect, but t- God's timing is rarely as quick as ours. Hmm. Four centuries have passed, and even back in Isaiah's day, some centuries, maybe eight centuries B.C., uh, they were he, God was already promising and foreshadowing and prophesying that what he was going to do, but it took a long time. And so what Christmas says to me is there's all the excitement, there's all the pageantry, the thrill, the, the joy, but it was a long wait to get there. Mm. And what it says again to me is God's not nearly in as big of a hurry as us, but his timing is perfect. And so he also said he's coming back. And if it took him centuries and centuries to come the first time, I don't think we should be surprised that 2,000 years have passed uh, and we're still waiting on Jesus' return. But his timing is always best. And so if that means waiting, uh, when when you're faithful to wait on God's timing, there will be a time of great joy, just like the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. When he does finally act in his perfect timing, there's always joy. And you can count on that. And then two, two last things. Uh, a seventh thing is just, I also notice uh, the ways of God. Uh, and when you read the Christmas story, it, of course, critics of Christianity, uh, unbelievers have claimed, well, the, the whole Jesus story was just made up by his disciples. It, it, it's, it's fiction. But when I read that, I think, well, if people wrote this story, why would they write it this way? I, it doesn't. Yeah. There's just no validity to that. There's just no way that a person is going to write about a virgin giving birth to the Son of God. That you're not going to, you're not going to think that way. And if you were writing a story to try to make a, a, a God story about Jesus, you're not going to talk about uh, Joseph being turned away at the end. You're not going to talk yeah. about them, the son of God being born in a manger, in a, in a feeding trough. Uh, that's just not how you would ever, people would never picture a story like that. You never, you would never write a story where the first people to be told by heaven are shepherds. Shepherds in that day were, uh, they were, they were seen kind of like ancient gypsies in a sense. They were migrant, uh, people that oftentimes, thought, well, your property is my property. Uh, things would go missing around the farm when uh, shepherds passed by. You, mm. Shepherds were looked down upon, uh, even though some of the most famous people of God, like David and Moses, had been shepherds. Uh, they were. I don't even believe that they could give testimony in court because uh, they were just assumed to be liars and thieves, that if mm. you turned your back while a shepherd was passing by, you might lose some valuable machinery uh, or equipment or maybe some of your sheep. So uh, if you're writing a, a story about the Son of God, it's doubtful that you're going to tell a story like that. Yeah. And then, uh, but, but the ways of God are not our ways. And that's what the Christmas story reminds me of repeatedly is that God's ways are not my ways. Uh, he does things differently. And one of the reasons that we get so disappointed is we keep expecting God to do things the way we would, and he yeah. doesn't. And, and with the speed that we would yeah. want. And so uh, one of our greatest challenges as leaders is to learn the ways of God so that we learn to watch for him to act in the way that he typically acts. And he is very consistent, but not 
not to do things our way, but his way. Right. And the last one is that, and you know, especially in our culture today and the news cycles going on now, uh, there's politics in Christmas too. And you'd think, yeah. oh, oh no, uh, <laughs> not even in the Christmas story. Politics has a way of infusing itself, it seems, in American culture at every level. Yeah. But uh, Jesus is born in a political time. Uh, Caesar Augustus is the Roman emperor. He is uh, the adopted uh, nephew, uh, heir of Caesar. He's fought battles for years against Mark Antony and others to capture the throne. And now he is the first real true emperor of Rome when Jesus is born. So, of course, if you're asking people... uh, what is the most important reality in our day? They would say we have our first emperor of Rome, uh, Caesar Augustus. Yeah, King Herod is king over Judea, and uh, he is a paranoid, power-hungry, political, maneuvering, scheming person that over time will kill most of his own children because he fears that they're going to try to usurp his throne, Mm. kills wives and all kinds of innocent people. He's willing to send soldiers into Bethlehem and kill every child two years and, and under just to protect his throne. He's a bloodthirsty person that no one likes, uh, that everyone hates. He's a, a power grabber. That's the political reality if you live in Jerusalem. And so you ask, and and then it even mentions Quirinius, who's the governor of Syria, that would have also been uh, an influential person in that day. And so uh, those are the names being bantered about in that day. Everybody wants to know what those three men are doing, what they're decreeing, uh, what taxes they're going to impose, all the newspapers and 24-hour news channels are all covering Herod yeah. and Caesar, and, but they're not, but, but nobody's covering the story of a little baby born in a feeding trough. And yet, what that says to me is, I think the very same could be true for today. Hmm. We spend way too much time thinking about what politicians are doing and way too little time about what the Son of God is doing. Hmm. And I have just learned, it's so interesting, that the, the, especially cable news, they want to make everything seem so spectacular, so dramatic, life-changing. Life comes to an end after this has been discovered and the president has done this and the House of Representatives has voted this. And yet the fact is time moves on. Mm-hmm. And what seems so huge today in the news, a week later they've already moved on to another news cycle. And a year from now, 10 years from now, a century from now, you look back on history and what seems so big, so important, what the po- politicians were doing was everything. And you look back and some of these politicians, no one even remembers anymore. Yeah. But what God did, uh, what, what God was doing to impact the, the nations, that remains. And that's what is actual reality. And so I would say... Uh, the last thing about the Christmas stories, there are politicians there and everybody thought they were a big deal at the time, but they're long since have faded into history and into, into oblivion. People like Quirinius, we don't even know who anything about him. Yeah. He gets mentioned in the Gospels and about the only place you find him. And because, But what the Son of God, 2,000 years later, 
is having still a dramatic impact worldwide. Mm. And so just Christmas says, keep your politicians in perspective as well. Yeah. Uh, they're just footnotes compared to what God is doing. Mm. Well, this has been a great uh, reminder. And, and just look at um, how the, the Christmas story, uh, can, just from a little bit different angle. And uh, so I appreciate you walking us through that. And uh, once again, a Merry Christmas. Yes. Uh, I hope everyone has all of a our joyful listeners. Christmas. And I pray that there's much laughter in every one of your homes over this season. And, and many eggnog lattes. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.